Well, hey there, everyone. I'm Daniel Hahn, and I'm the online campus pastor here at Oxford Assembly of God Church, and this is our podcast. And I just want to thank you for listening today. We hope the message you're about to hear inspires you, builds your faith, and helps you see that God has a purpose for your life. And now, let's get into the message. Well, today is Pentecost Sunday, the birthday of the church. Birthday of the church. And I want to share with you The message, three essentials for the church. Three essentials for the church. Notice I did not say the three essentials because there's a lot more than three essentials. There's a lot more than three. But three essentials of the church. Now, we've heard the word essential used often during COVID. But what does the word really mean? The word essential means absolutely necessary or extremely important. Absolutely necessary or extremely important. The one question that comes to my mind that I have to ask myself with so many governmental shutdowns, if it's not necessary and extremely important, why do we have them? Just just ask it. You know, just ask it. But on the birthday of the church, we're not speaking of an institution. We're not speaking of a building, but a living organism. The body of Christ. The birthday of the church. And what I'm going to share today with you is nothing that you don't know. But it's something the Holy Spirit impressed upon me last week. The first essential. Now what's essential? Something that's absolutely necessary or extremely important. The first essential for a Christian life and the church is the love of God. We must never, never ignore, forget, or misplace the love of God. The Bible is a love story. I said, the Bible is a love story. It's a story of God's love. We know that there's judgment. We know that there's guilt. We know that there's pain. But we also know that there's redemption. There's forgiveness. There's peace. And so much more because of God's love. We love to quote Psalm 33, verse 12. And I think it's a great verse. I think it's a great verse. If that keeps happening, we'll change mics, so don't worry about it. Some of you just may think you've got the power. (laughs) Verse 12 says, Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people whom he has chosen as his heritage. What he has chosen for his heritage. You know, when I lose my. Which one do you want me to use? You're going to tie me down still. I was fixing to say, since you, you have a cord on, if you don't have a cord on, I might be all over this place. Looks like this one's got the anointed cord, so I got plenty of room. 
Where were we? Oh, Psalms 33, verse 18, one that we often quote, Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people whom He has chosen as His heritage. Thank God for the nation of Israel. But thank God for the church, amen? The body of Christ. And we look at that verse 18, and we realize that that verse hinges on verse 5, where it says this, He loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of the steadfast love of the Lord. And then verse 18, Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear Him, on those who hope in his steadfast love. I want to tell you something. If my hope and dependence is on what's coming out of Washington, D.C., I wouldn't have any. I left for a week, and when I got back, gas had went up 25 cents. But I'm glad of God's steadfast love, that he may deliver their soul from death and keep them alive in famine. God's steadfast love. Psalm 119 the longest chapter in the Bible, speaks of God's love. It mentions God's love 18 times in that one chapter. One of them is the earth is filled with your love. Aren't you glad the earth is filled with God's love? I said, aren't you glad that God's, the earth is filled with God's love? I know somebody said, well, I haven't been feeling it. Maybe you haven't been practicing it. Huh? The earth is filled with God's love. And then it says, preserve my life according to your love. I am glad that God's love is unconditional. And I'm glad that I've accepted that. That, that is an extent. What is it? Yeah, that's it. I'm so glad. And yet sometimes we forget God's love. I said we forget God's love. God's love is essential. God's love is essential. Without it, we have nothing. Without it, we have nothing. Look with me to Luke chapter 11. I've got quite a few verses to look at today. But Luke chapter 11, verse 42. Look what it says. But woe to you Pharisees, for you tithe men. Now, I don't want, notice that. It says, woe to you Pharisees. There's an exclamation point there. Woe to you Pharisees. Jesus was rebuking them with a loud voice, with an exclamation, for you tithe mint and rue and ever herb and neglect justice and the love of God. Now, he was not rebuking them for tithing. He was not rebuking them for carrying out the matters of the law, but he was rebuking them of something else. He said, you've neglected what? You've neglected justice and the love of God. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. Friends, when we forget the love of God, we have forgotten the basis of the gospel. Amen. We've forgotten the basis of the gospel. Was it because of that that the very next chapter, Jesus said, Beware the leaven of the Pharisees. Beware of all those rules and regulations. Now, the rules and regulations are one thing, and there many of them are good for our benefit. But let's not forget, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That's it. That's it. Now, I have a little different take on Matthew chapter 13 than many Bible scholars do. 
Some of you may dif disagree with my take. That's okay. As you know, you've been wrong before. <laughs> You're free to disagree with me. But in Matthew chapter 13, in the midst of the, the prophecies and parables there, verse 44 talks about the parable of the hidden treasure. But then in verse 45 it says, Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who on finding one pearl of great value went and sold all that he had and bought it. Now there's a lot of people that take that means that, that we as Christians find the greatest value in the world, and that's Jesus. How many knows that is the greatest value in the world? That's Jesus. But I believe that this is God looking down and seeing a love story. He saw you lost. He saw you with all your sinfulness. And I know Lee, when he's talking about those things that he never get involved in, only thing in my mind came up said he might have got caught up in lying, though. <laughs> just, just saying, Lee. None of us are perfect. All of us sin and come short of the glory of God. But I'm glad that God's love, that he looked down and fell in love. And he, I shouldn't say fell in love. He's always loved the world before we ever came. And he looked down and saw that you and I needed saving. And you know why? Because he looked down and he saw a pearl of great price. He looked down and saw you and you needed salvation. For God sent his son to the world to seek and to save that which was lost, that which he valued, that which he put his highest value on. He loved you so much, he sent his son Jesus to die for you. He purchased you with that. He purchased you with that love. The world is a field. And you and I are the pearls and the greatest value of God's creation. Why? Because Jesus loves me. This I know. For the Bible tells me so. Before we leave this topic, let's read one more passage in John chapter 6. John chapter 6. And you'll have to forgive me because i got to use my hand to hold the mic today. Hard to do that. John chapter 6, verse 33. You sent to John, and he has borne witness to the truth. Not that the testimony that I receive is from man, but I say these things so that you may be saved. He was a burning and shining lamp, and you were willing to rejoice for a while in his light. Don't have time to chase this down. What was he saying? He said, John the Baptist came as a forerunner of me, and for a while you followed him. For a while you were excited because he was bringing you and pointing you to the light. He was a burning and shining lamp, and you were willing to rejoice for a while in his light. But the testimony that I have is greater than the light, that of John. For the works that the Father have given me to accomplish, the very works that I am doing, bear witness about me that the Father has sent me. Sent me for what purpose? To redeem the world. And the Father who sent me has himself borne witness about me. His voice you have never heard. His form you have never seen. And you do not have his word abiding in you. Oh, let me read that again. And you do not have his word abiding in you, for you do not believe the one whom he has sent. You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. And it is the, they that bear witness about me. Yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. I do not receive glory from the people, but I know that you do not have the love of God within you.
Friends, the love of God is the essential of the church. The love of God, the love of God is the basis and the foundation of the church. We know, a lot of people say, well, Peter is the foundation of the church. Peter is not the foundation of the church. Jesus Christ is the foundation of the church. The testimony that Jesus Christ is the foundation. Why, when, when Jesus asked Peter, who do you men say that I am? He said, some say you're Elijah, some Elias. But he said, Peter, who do you say that I am? Thou art the Christ, Amen. the Son of the living God. And Jesus said, upon this rock, and he wasn't speaking of Peter. He was speaking upon that declaration, upon this rock, that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Thank God for his love. It is an essential of the church. Paul tells the church at Corinth, God's love, it compels us. Another uh, translation says, it constrains us. It controls us. Friends, it is essential that we do not ignore refuse or misplace the love of God. And if we have his love, nothing can separate us from it. I said, if we have his love, nothing can take you from his love. The second essential is actually two in one. And that is mercy and grace. Mercy and and grace. You may say, well, what exactly is mercy? Well, there's a lot of definitions for mercy. But one definition is this. is compassion or forgiveness or kindly forbearance shown toward an offender or an enemy. Let me read that again. Compassion or forgiveness or kindly forbearance shown toward an offender or an enemy. Friends, you and I, before we were a Christian, before we were saved, and if you're here today and you're not a saved, I want to tell you, you are an offender to God. You're also an enemy of God. Say, so wait a minute, I'm a God's creation. But if we're not for Him, we're against Him. So we're an enemy. But what is mercy? Mercy looks down and says, even though you're guilty, even though you're an enemy, even though you're against me, I love you anyway. Amen. And your sins which were scarlet shall be white as snow. Every one of us is an offender. Actually an enemy of God, but in his mercy, if we receive it or accept it, we're not only not held accountable, we are forgiven we are forgiven Moses came down from the mountain the first time after receiving the Ten Commandments and threw them and, they, and broke them went back up the mountain and look what he said God said to him in Exodus chapter 34 verse 6 and 7 the Lord passed before him and proclaimed the Lord the Lord a God merciful and gracious a Lord merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and steadfastness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, 
but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquities of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. Now, what in the world is that saying? Listen, we're guilty. But if we receive God's mercy, we're forgiven. But if we reject God's mercy, you say, how do you reject God's mercy? By not trusting God. By not believing God. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. But we have to receive it. Because until we receive that mercy, you're guilty. I'm guilty. An essential is we of the church is that we've got to accept the mercy and the grace of God. Amen. Lamentations is a scripture many of us are very, very familiar with. But Lamentations chapter 3 says, But this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. I tell you, if my hope was coming out of politics right now, I wouldn't have any. If my hope was coming out of what I see happening around me, I wouldn't have any. If my hope was based upon my strength and my ability, I wouldn't have a whole lot. But my hope is based on the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They're new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will have hope in him. Now, grace is closely associated with mercy. The familiar definition of grace is unmerited and undeserved favor. But it's so much more than that. I said God's grace is so much more than that. It is God's unique gift to each one of us. It's his unique gift to each one of us. The word for grace, now grace is, is a New Testament concept. I said that grace is a New Testament concept. It wasn't used in the Old Testament. Grace comes from the Greek word charis. And you know what charis means? It means Gift. God's gift. God's gift of grace. God's unique gift to each one of us. What You say, well, what kind of gift of grace does he get? He'll give you whatever kind you need. Because his grace is what? Sufficient. His gift is sufficient. He'll give you what you need. He'll give you all that you need to overcome. What's a more or less modern word that comes from the word charis. Charismatic. That's where the word charismatic came from, from the, the gift of God, a gift from God. Now let me go ahead and say it. Just because we have God's love, God's mercy, and God's grace does not give us the right to abuse those precious gifts. Let me read it one more time. Just because we have God's love and God's mercy and God's grace does not give us the right to abuse those precious gifts. What did Jesus say? If you love me, keep my commandments. Don't say you love me and do what you want to do. Paul said it when he was talking to Rome in the book of Romans. He had preached all about the wonderful grace and the gift of God. 
But then he starts out chapter 6 of Romans. He says, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? Now, what does that mean? What's he saying? He said there are people who say, well, God's given me grace. So that means I can do whatever I want to, act like I want to, do this, do that, and it doesn't matter because God's grace is sufficient. And he says, do we go that route? He says, by no means. King James Version said, God forbid. God forbid. By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? So we need to live like Jesus' grace and we under his love and his mercy. Paul said, I am what I am by the grace of God. It's God's love. It's God's mercy. It's God's grace that they are essential to our everyday walk with God. God's love, God's mercy, and grace. Point number three. The person of the Holy Spirit is essential to the church today. I said the person of the Holy Spirit. The person of the Holy Spirit is just as real as the love of God. The person of the Holy Spirit is just as real as the mercy and the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is so sad that many in the church understand the essentiality of God's love. We gotta have God's love. And they know that we must have his mercy and his grace. Yet they neglect the third part of the Trinity. There's God the Father, God the Son, and God Holy, of the Holy Spirit. Yet Jesus told his disciples this in the Gospel of John. Read with me. John chapter 14. John chapter 14. Verse 16. And I will ask the Father. Now this is written in red. Jesus was saying this. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth, because it neither sees him nor knows him, you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you yet a little while, and the world will see me no more, but you will see me because I live you also will live. And that day you will know that I am in my Father and you in me and I in you. Drop down to verse 25. These things have I spoken to you while I'm still with you, but the helper. That word there is paracletus. The one called alongside to help. The one called alongside to help. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name. He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give it to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Don't you think there's any time 
in your history and my history that we need not to be afraid. It's today. And how can we do that without acknowledging the need, the essentiality of the third person of the Holy Spirit that dwells, dwells within us? Last week, we were privileged to be able to go with our kids, grandkids, and took them to uh, Dollywood. One of the programs there started in the 1950s, about 54, and ended in 1969, the year my wife and I graduated from high school. And after we left the program, I told the grandkids, I said, that was our life. We had it easy. I said, we had it easy. How many thinks that we had it easy compared to what kids have today? We have it easy. I said, you know, we understood and knew what God was. We knew the, the essential of knowing the love of God and His grace and His mercy. But there's a lot of people in our world today that don't know that because they have not experienced it. And if we ever needed the peace of God, it's today. And that can only come through the working of the third person of the Trinity the Holy Spirit. If you go on down to chapter 15 of John, but when the helper comes, when the helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. And you also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. I have said all these things to you to keep you from falling away. How many thinks if there's ever been a need for the Holy Spirit is today? We need the third person of the Trinity. Drop down to verse 5 of chapter 16. But now I'm going to him who sent me. And none of you ask me where you're going. But because I've said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage. Your advantage. King James Version uses the word expedient. But the word literally means advantage. It means to bring together, not being just convenient. Not just convenient, but a necessity. A necessity. I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. That was Jesus telling his disciples, listen, it's better for you that I leave because I'm limited. It's hard for me to say that. It's hard for me to say, Brother Brown, that Jesus was limited. But he was. Jesus could only be at one place at one time. So if he sent his disciples, he said, I want you to go into all the world and preach the gospel. He said, I can't go with all of you. So I've got to go away. But it's expedient. It's to your advantage that if I go away because when I go away, I'm going to send the helper. I'm going to send the spirit. It will be to your advantage. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness. It's expedient. Drop down to verse 12. Jesus said, I still have many things to say to you but you cannot bear them now when the spirit of truth will come. Now, when did the spirit of truth come? Pentecost. Today is the birthday of the church. 
Today's our birthday. And then when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine, therefore I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. In other words, God the Father, God the Holy Son, and God the Holy Spirit, three in one, are working together on our behalf, giving us his love, giving us his grace, giving us his mercy, and giving us the spirit of an almighty God to be with us, to give us strength. I want us to close with 2 Corinthians chapter 13. Verse 11 through 14. Finally, brothers, rejoice. Aim for restoration. Comfort one another. Agree with one another. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the saints greet you in verse 14. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with y'all. Three essentials. Three things that we need in the church today. The love of God, the mercy and grace of God, and the person of the Holy Spirit. Statement I hear quite a bit is, I don't understand. And I know that I can tell you there's a lot of things I don't understand. But I've never found in the scripture where it says we're supposed to understand. We walk by faith, not by sight. And I know I said I was going to close with that scripture, but I want to go to one more. So I'm going to circle the airport one more time. Before I land the plane. Now I want to go to Ephesians. Book of Ephesians. Chapter 3. Paul's prayer for the church. For this reason. I bow my knees before the Father. From whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. That according to the riches of his glory. He may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend. I said we didn't have to really totally understand. But Paul said I want you to comprehend with all the saints was the breadth and the length and the height and the depth, and to know the love of God that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we may ask or think. Now what's that mean? That means more than our minds can comprehend. More than we can imagine. To him that is able to do that. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations Forever and ever. Amen. I want you to think about it. At Christmas, we celebrate the birth of Christ. 
and we get the gifts. Huh? The day of Pentecost, the birthday of the church, who gets gifts? We do. We get God's love. We get God's mercy. We get God's grace. We get God's spirits or spirit. How can we do that? Because God loves you so much. They look down on this field we call the earth. He says they need redemption. And I see a pearl of great price. The value of your soul. The value of your life supersedes anything that you and I could ever imagine. How much does it? For God so loved the world that he gave. So our response is to give ourselves back to him. So let me close as a worship team comes back. I want us to worship the Lord for a few moments today. Thank Him for His love. How many thinks His love's worth praising Him about? How about His grace and His mercy? And how about the person of the Holy Spirit? Three essentials. And if you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ, let me encourage you to make your way to the front and we'll pray with you so you can become part of God's family. Not because of who we are but because of who he is but I want us to worship the Lord so if you're able to stand stand to your feet and I want to pray for you Holy Spirit we thank you for the opportunity of meeting here together today we thank you for your word we thank you for your love your grace your mercy and for your spirit we ask you to receive our worship, receive our praise, and minister to us today at our point of lead, at our level of understanding. And we give you praise. We give you praise. On behalf of our pastor and staff here at OAG, we want to say thank you. Thank you for being a part of our ministry. We are grateful for you and the support you give our church and its ministries so that we can continue to do what God has called us to do, to be the family church for the family of God. For more content from Pastor Strickland and Oxford Assembly of God, check out our media website at oag.church/media.